This is Shift Run Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. Hello, you're listening to Shift Run Stop. Well, we've got a very special games writing guest on today. It's Rihanna Pratchett. Hello, Rihanna. Hello. You're you're kind of a known name. You're, you know, Rihanna Pratchett. Everyone knows that you write for games. And I was wondering why there aren't other personalities that write for games like or are there that I just don't know about um, there, there are a few kind of known games writers out there uh, a lot of them are usually affiliated with a studio for, for example Mark Laidlaw and Eric Wolper um, who work at Valve so obviously they're very well known and they sort of work in house, Eric used to work down at Double Fine with Tim Schafer, another big known name, he, he did Psychonauts and Brutal Legend so there, there are other um, sort of known games writers but I think because I started as a journalist and so got some coverage being a journalist and I used to write for The Guardian and The Sunday Times, used to do bits for the BBC and all over the place. I already had a bit of a profile in the industry before I started writing games. Uh, so I've been in the industry for quite a long time and I've been a gamer since I was about six. So I've really done my time both kind of at, you know, at the coalface and sort of both sides of the fence. Uh, so I just became kind of... Uh, I, I don't know really how it happened. It's, it's kind of... Uh, take me by surprise certainly um, but I think you get known developers for example like Cliffy B um, you know he's you know very well known but I think a lot of developers you know, you know they're, they're kind of inside making games it's not uh, being a public face is probably not quite a natural and it's not really natural for a writer who tends to be kind of a bit hobbity and you know you kind of want to go into your burrow and roll around in muse juice and not kind of go out there and talk to people so thank god for the internet because i can do that from home and i don't even have to get dressed (laughs) so it's only when you're making me come out of the house i have to get dressed (laughs) so when you started writing what was the first game that you wrote um, the first game that I actually did dialogue for was called um, Beyond Divinity, and it was a hardcore role-playing game. And basically, I'd, I'd been on PC Zone magazine, which is um, a long-time uh, PC games magazine, which has just gone down, uh, sadly. Um, I spent about two and a half years there, and I started writing for The Guardian as well. And then I decided to go back into freelance, because I, I wasn't... Uh, being in an office wasn't really my natural space and I think I wanted to kind of the pyjama based world of freelancing called to me again so I went freelance and as luck would have it a couple of weeks after um, I'd gone freelance and I was thinking right then okay how am I going to pay the bills and uh, I got this call from I think it was the head of a company uh, called Larian Studios in Belgium and uh, a PR guy and they'd been talking about getting a story editor for their game um, Beyond Divinity which was a sequel to a game called Divine Divinity both terrible names um, but I really liked Divine Divinity when I was a journalist and I gave it quite a good review and I think all the UK press aside from me unanimously gone Bleh. and I really liked <laughs> it and they remembered me and it was like a year, sort of a year year and a half later and they, they thought of me it was uh, very fortuitous and I thought okay then that, that's really how my career has progressed it's a sort of series of happy accidents where I thought okay I'll give that a go let's see where that goes and sort of just gone <laughs> gone where the uh, the tide takes me I think um, so that was my first game I worked as a story editor it put me off hardcore RPGs for a long time I was basically doing a lot of editing of um, lines that are written by a non-English speaker and then I did some other stuff and then I started getting more and more work 
because I thought, I thought, okay, yeah, I seem to have found a career here accidentally. Let's see what we can do with this. And I got a little bit of work doing uh, level dialogue for a Pac-Man game, Pac-Man World 3, I think, and a SpongeBob game um, for a company who's... Uh, had written the script for a game that I also really liked the, the UK games industry was very interesting called Ghostmaster and that was one I got very excited about as a journalist then I worked for um, uh, Firefly who do the Stronghold series mm-hmm. castle building games again another series of games that I really liked when I was a journalist and one of the first developers I, I met um, when I started and I, I'd gone to see them uh, doing something for Zone. I think it was a, a preview of Stronghold 2. And I'd uh, just dropped my line and said, by the way, I'm doing games writing now. And, you know, if you never if you need anyone, then, then uh, drop me a line. And they said, as it happens, uh, we're working on this game. And it turned out to be Stronghold Legends. Um, and that was, that was a kind of a lot of fun. Um, but the first big game I did was Heavenly Sword, and that was the Ninja Theory up in Cambridge. And that was really that was great. I mean, that kicked things up a few notches, um, and that was that was you know incredibly exciting to get, and incredibly exciting to work on. So working with you know the ninjas are, are great, and working with the likes of Andy Circus mm-hmm. and Anna Torv um, was amazing. And you know they, you know Sony really poured money into the, into mm-hmm. the narrative heavily. So it was you know the. the uh, full motion capture performance so you're actually writing for actors that are fully acting rather than just doing the voice um, was you know incredibly um, satisfying to do and then after that I got Overlord um, and started wrote the, the whole Overlord series um, Mirror's Edge which on other bits and pieces like Viking Battle for Asgard and Risen which was my uh, last foray into hardcore RPGs, I managed to sort of stave them off in between Beyond Divinity, and then I just came in uh, to work on a team with a, with a couple of other writers doing the localization on Risen, which was which was kind of fun, but it reminded me why hardcore RPGs are a massive headache. I was going to ask about why a lot of times people complain about the dialogue in games and say that it's not and Naomi Oldham was saying this about uh, Red Dead Redemption actually that it's that there is a kind of and I think there's a Rockstar Games thing about making your characters a bit caricature anyway but do you I don't know how do you deal with that how do you make dialogue good <laughs> in the past it's usually been someone on the team so it could be the producer it could be the designer that drew the short story it could be you know someone's made that's done a bit of writing in their own time but by and large in the past it's not been done by a professional writer and therefore it's, it's been one of the few aspects of game development that hasn't been done by a professional who specialises in this field and then you've got the, the situation that um, games development and, and games writing is an iterative process writing for games is very much like designing for games it's constantly being uh, you know, redesigned things are being cut out things are being sort of shoved in you might lose a level you might lose a character you might lose you know, a, ho- a whole section and the, so the story kind of has to, you know, um, expand and contract and sort of shift, and it's quite an organic thing. And it can be really hard uh, to, to hold on to all the strings. So if you've not got someone there who's paying attention to the narrative and the characters and, can, and says, well, you can't do that because that kind of breaks that character's arc and that wouldn't make sense for that character. And if you, you need someone who cares about the story and the characters and is you know, looking out for them and how all these things that happen in, in game design change the story and adapting it accordingly. And there hasn't really been people that have been responsible for that. 
So now we have writers and narrative designers um, and people that are sort of taking care of the story. And when you take care of the story and you, uh, you pour a lot of love into the characters, then that starts becoming better. You know, you start... Um, writers will start working with voice actors that's something I do um, a fair amount I, I directed voice actors myself on the Overlord games and I think that gives it you know, greater fidelity and um, certainly seeing the process through from working with the level designers writing the script and iterating on it until it works for the, the mechanics of the game and it works for level designers and it works from a story point of view and then sort of getting it all together and then casting the voice actors and then doing the recording sessions and sort of seeing it all through really helps and it gets that consistency and it's not it's not the case really that you know games don't want to tell stories or games just tell bad stories it's as much about structure and the process by which story gets into a game that is has been flawed in the past and is still a bit flawed, but it, it's getting a lot better. I'll go, I'll go and do some work in the library instead. Uh-huh. Didn't have any meetings. So I thought, well, I'll take this opportunity to go and find a quiet spot, do some thinking, do a bit of writing. Very nice. And uh, tuck myself away in the British Library. It was quite good. Did you see the exhibition about inventions? That was yes, on? Wasn't I did. It great. It was pretty fun. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. free exhibition there. Lots of things, uh, including the Dyson Airblade. No, not yeah. the Airblade. The Dyson, the fan, oh. the fanless fan, Hoover. the bladeless fan. What's that called? The Typhoon. The ty- the Oh, yeah. Ty- the Hurricane. Psych. Like, oh. No, is that some kind of robot? A <laughs> Cylon. The it's, Cylon. Um, it's the yeah, it's the Cylon. And you don't know whether it's human or not or robot, but it's a fan with no blades, so you can you can touch it or put your hand through it, and it's it's uh, fine. It's all, all the blades are hidden. It's good. Oh that, God. That I don't there. like them being hidden. I want to know where they're they secret are. secret blades. Did you see the thing where you could make your own suggestions for what you want to invent and write it on a piece of paper and put it on a wall? No, I didn't see that. That sounds quite irritating. No, it's funny. It's brilliant. Like right. everyone's made really funny ones. Right. Yeah, I took a photo of a couple of them. I saw it. There's one that someone said like. What I really want is a thing so that, like, like a pill or something that you take, so that you can eat raw meat and then it cooks it when it's in your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a flicker stream, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, was just thinking, oh, I, love, I love the idea that that's all man's wanted since time began. <laughs> the ability to eat raw meat without fire. <laughs> yeah, without enjoying it being cooked beforehand. No, no, just cook it later. Cook it when it's in my stomach. Clearly, that person likes the texture of raw meat, <laughs> yeah. but not the stomach know. bugs that they get yeah. when they eat it. Ah, clever, yeah. And the wow. other one was um, the other one was um, a mechanical fly outfit that you strap to your back, and then you can move like a fly, <laughs> like a giant man fly. You could move like a fly if you wanted to, couldn't you? Well, you, you don't need a special outfit to move like a fly. Well, I think it means like in flight. Oh, to fly like a yeah, fly. Yeah, sort of oh, right. Well, yeah, you move. <laughs> you could walk around on your hands and knees like a fly. <laughs> but it's really interesting because it's like, what do people think? What yeah, do people yeah. actually always want? You Revealing know? the inner you. What would your invention <laughs> wish list include? I don't know, it's hard, isn't it? I couldn't think of anything, that's why I didn't put anything on there. I'd quite like uh, instant travel, mm. teleportation. That'd be good, yeah. So you don't have to sit on a train for an hour. I'd quite like that. But then there's that thing, isn't there, of like, when you teleport, mm. is it actually you? Or Ooh. do you just get destroyed and then recreated? Ah, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, in my teleporter, it would be me. It'd be you, Yeah. if you invented that. Well, um, I was thinking, 
what we were talking about earlier when you were saying about someone you saw on Camden High, Camden High Street when we went recording. But I want that. Carnaby Street. Uh, oh, Carnaby Street, sorry. Yeah, yeah. What I want is um, trousers that that <laughs> merge into shoes. <laughs> Trouser shoes. Trouser shoes. Yeah, what would that be? Like, Well, we're saying like a baby, baby grow for adults, yeah. but only the bottom half. So you well, put you them on like have, tights. You could have the entire baby grow. And then just wear like something over the top. You, so it, oh, you don't right. have to restrict yourself just to the bottom <laughs> yeah. of the baby grow. I suppose tights are that, aren't they? Tights are feet and yeah. legs all in one. So maybe what I want is tights with like tread, with boot tread on the bottom. Ooh. Yeah, that could be that could be quite a fashion thing, you know. Mm. Because in years gone by, and, and you'll tell me where we are on the cycle of this, mm-hmm. but in years gone by, Ugg boots yes. have been in and then out. Yeah. I, I don't know whether they're back in this winter. They're but sort of in, yeah. seem to have been reused anyway. Mm. We've had, you know, black leggings, or whatever you call them, tights, black black legs. Leggings, yeah. And little skirts. Combine the two and, mm. and take off the fluffy boots and just put a put a tread on the bottom of the black, yeah. the black tight legs. And you've got a thing, haven't you? You've got a look. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is, it is, you know, halfway to being something from a pantomime or, um, or from cats, maybe. Yeah. But I still like it. Or you could have, like, animal claw feet. <laughs> I've seen slippers that look like Yeah, yeah, cats but, feet. like, if that was part of your entire outfit and you just sort of zip yourself into the... You could have Ugg boots where instead of finishing above the ankle, yeah, the boot all just the extends all the way to your waist. <laughs> <laughs> You're wearing what essentially looks like goat legs <laughs> big fluffy so, legs know, yeah or just trotters at the end <laughs> maybe Clo- a tail cloven hooves on your feet When you've written for a game, do you find yourself able to play it after it's been released? Kind of. I, I've not played... It depends how the process has gone. There's been... There's certainly been games where it's been a painful development process <laughs> for the for the, uh, the narrative, and so I've not really wanted to play it. Um, because it's, it's like an actor watching their performance. Um, you know, you see all the things you, that didn't go right. You see how things like... Uh, haven't triggered properly or that or that wasn't the best take of that line or that animation mugged that joke or something like that and you see all the flaws and I'm just terrible for that so it sort of becomes a pain an exercise in pain but I've, I've played certainly played some of the overlaw games um, afterwards and sort of showed them to friends um, so I've, I've done a little bit of it uh, I'm imagining you playing Mirror's Edge and sort of um, mouthing along the dialogue <laughs> while it's happening no I haven't played Mirror's Edge <laughs> I had to say <laughs> I actually, I actually forget half the things I write, which it, I think it's just because I write so much. It's like my brain bank doesn't have the space to keep all the dialogue in there. So certainly with Overlord, I'd be laughing at jokes and completely forgetting that I'd written them. And that's that's mainly down to, to the great voice actors we had. But you know, it, it, it seems kind of silly to be able to laugh at your own jokes. But um, I genuinely forgot I'd written them, and suddenly you get surprised by something. And, and, you know, that could be quite nice. What, what have we got in this week's snack time, as we're now calling it? I noticed how the word snack time has kind of infiltrated our show got to become now. the name of the, the item. Oh, yeah. I went to uh, a cinema uh, a while ago and I saw Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. And there were some adverts that I hadn't seen before for children's stuff, which is yeah. why I haven't seen them, because I don't watch kids' telly or anything. And... I was fascinated and I, I immediately went out and tried to buy these products and really struggled as well. It wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two things that I've managed to acquire 
are the Topps Mega Mouth Candy Spray right. and the Topps Juicy Drop Pop. I think we should start with this one. I think we should start with the, the, the top juicy, juicy, juicy Drop Pop. And are you familiar like, with this? I mean, the mind boggles. I, like, I mean, the thing is, and particularly if you're not exposed to kids' uh, TV ads, when, like, when you stumble across them, like, it, yeah, it's like, it's like being punched in the face or something, isn't it? <laughs> and you can imagine this one, it's going, Tops, Juicy Drop Pop, Juicy Drop Pop. And then someone screams, like, so essentially, you whip this out here. That's the pop part of it. You just sort of so unsheath like the... Uh, the lolly from yeah, the which, which, which looks like, like an orange lolly, child's dummy. Yeah, the the lolly bit slides out from the bottom, but then the top has got like a dripper. Ah, is it is it quite sharp, Dave? It's quite juicy. Yeah. It's um, lick it. It's suggesting that you lick that off the well, in the advert. The they they talk about sort of dripping the the drops onto oh. the lolly and then using that to it's sort of complicated. With, I mean, it's yours, Ro. Do you want to like? Um, I mean, now you're holding the MP3 recorder, so I'm well, the wrong we'll, person to be we'll, doing we'll this. We'll have really. to feed you. They should do this, but like this sushi, and they should put soy sauce. In that bit and have sushi in that bit. I think you should. Well, most mo- <laughs> people can try this, or you could shove it on your tongue or, or um, <laughs> straight down your throat. Squirt it directly into you your You went eyes for quite a big face. squirt there, Layla. Yeah, it's um, it is sharp. That's well, quite exciting. Um, sugary, drippy liquid. Citrusy. Quite viscous. You can control your own sort of like uh, dilute to taste kind of effect. And that was like one pound twenty-five. I think. Oh, I know. Wow. Well, well, it's, uh, I think it's. I think it's part of what they call extreme candy. Yes, um, there's almost the implication that if if you really wanted to freak out the other kids in your classroom, <laughs> you could just load it up with like all of the oh. juice. Did you see Bob last week? He put all the whole drop liquid all over his hand, and then he drank the whole lot at once. Yeah, he was so sick. <laughs> so the other one is the um, the Mega Mouth candy spray, which apparently contains 150 sprays mm. of blue raspberry flavour, and I haven't tried this, but I presume it's just going to be like a sort of liquid sugar with flavourings and you spray it into your mouth I mean, it seems a bit oh, oh, bizarre oh, oh, you, you first Drew <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's right but I must <laughs> say I'm feeling a bit way. nervous about it he's holding the microphone up to his mouth in one hand and the sprayer in the other yeah. it's quite sweet unex- unsurprisingly sweet it's like you know those like really cheap cartons of drink you could get in the tuck shop that were blue and it'd be like a or blue like a panda pops very gum yeah. flavoured one yeah it, it doesn't have any nutrition, nutritional info on it <laughs> But I imagine you're not, you know, you can't, you can't take very many sprays of this uh, in one go. I, I couldn't have finished the whole bottle in one go. Definitely. Exactly, no, but you're like, oh, yeah, well, why, why, don't, why don't just take the lid off, Rue, and uh, damn it in one slug? The other thing is a bit like is um, Mr. Freeze, but like a dilute, you know, when it melts in the bottom of the sachet and then you yeah, drink the rest of it, but, really much, sugary. but much sweeter. What um, interested me when I was reading up on it online today is that last year there was a massive product recall because of dangerous chemical residue which had found its way into the system. Oh my God. <laughs> so hopefully this is a, a recent one rather than uh, a chemical did residue you buy them problem. from a reputable, um, <laughs> did you buy them from a pound shop? Or? Well, I found them in Smith's mm-hmm. and I had been trying lots of corner shops and supermarkets and really struggled to find any of these kind of extreme liquid, you know, kid sweets. Mm-hmm. But yes, Smith seems to be the place to go. I mean, the temptation to refill this with something else <gasps> afterwards would be almost vodka or something. Com- completely impossible not to, surely. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to keep using it. For the benefit of Londoners, you could potentially take it on the tube because it's not technically an open container of no. alcohol, it's just one that you can spray into your own face <laughs> for, that, for, for a feeling of freshness. It's you got 19 millilitres in you it. You probably couldn't take it on a plane, I imagine it would confiscate <laughs> a, a vodka aerosol on an aeroplane <laughs> might not go down well. But yeah, 19 millilitres of vodka, would that be enough to get you drunk? 
I don't know. In aerosol like, form? You take the edge off. No, because if you snort vodka, it's much more potent, isn't it? You could spray it up your nose. <laughs> is it? You could spray it in your nose. But it's I think that would hurt. your eyes, which of course is a brilliant way of absorbing your alcohol. eyes. <laughs> I imagine that would hurt. I mean, both it of those would hurt, would hurt a lot. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, would it be worth it? <laughs> no. Have you got loads of um, consoles and stuff? I suppose you have to if you're writing for those. Um, well, I've got mediums. Uh, I tend to favour, obviously, the PC is, is where my first love was. Um, I mean, I started on a, on a, a Spectrum um, and Amstrad and kind of went that route. Uh, so I didn't... And then when I came back into consoles, it was, it was roundabout, sort of Dreamcast a little bit, and then, um, you know, PlayStation... Um, PlayStation 2, uh, Xbox a little bit, but I, I probably I tend to favour the 360 or um, or the PC. I mean, I, it's ter- terrible. My my gaming crack is a, is a strategy game called Age of Mythology, and Age of Mythology was the third in the series of the Age of Empires games. And literally, I have um, bought and snapped the CD for Age of <laughs> Mythology about six times. And the thing is, it's really difficult to get a hold of now because um, Ensemble Studios who've made it have now, you know, folded quite a long time ago. So get and and some of the versions have been since have had problems with the code and you can't get them working online. So if you if you want to get this game working online, you have to sort of go to Amazon Marketplace or eBay to get the specific version that will still work online. And when you say snaps, you don't mean accidentally, do you? No, I mean actually, I have to free myself. <laughs> And, you know, bits of CD ricocheting around my study. Um, and so, yeah, I find that quite addictive. <laughs> um, and that, that's the one that's really had a hold on me. I think it's like sort of Ian Banks and Civilization. Um, and I think I really enjoy the competitive nature of it. And I play a lot of World of Warcraft, and I have, although I'm sort of on a hiatus at the moment until Cataclysm comes out. And, but what Asian mythology I really like was I feel my brain has a, um, a huge uh, role in whether I win or lose. Um, and often I lose more than I win, which doesn't really say much for my brain. Um, but work with World of Warcraft, it's, it's a lot of fun in a glorious world, but sooner or later you always win. And, you know, and even if you die, you just trundle back to your body and you kind of, you're up and running again. Um, but yeah, I'd say... And, I, and you know, I tried it a little bit of Red Dead. I finished Alan Wake, uh, which I was very, <laughs> very proud of actually finishing the entire game, um, and enjoyed that a lot. And I've got a sort of few up and coming ones I, I need to look at. Mm. Uh, Word Crasher on my iPhone. <laughs> that, that's right at the moment. Are you interested in other kinds of games other than um, than the video sorts? Do you play board games and things for fun? Um, I haven't for a while. I used to. I, I lived in a tiny village when I was um, uh, when I was small. It was kind of we didn't even have a one horse to be a one horse town. It was just basically a lane. And so I ended up playing games of all kinds, but sort of board games and computer games with a little girl, the eight-year-old girl that lived next door to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to play, when she was eight and I was 11, things like the Leisure Suit Larry games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was back in the time when they had the Are You 18 questions that mm-hmm. were all about the American political process. Mm-hmm. And just trying to guess the answers. Oh, yeah. and so now. <laughs> it's really and well. it, was, it, was a, it was a learning experience. Uh, I think we got through the first Larry game. I don't think we really understood it a lot, no. lot of time. Like, I, if you I, click on him, he goes, um, I'm, uh, you smooth down your suit so it's concentrating in some areas more than others. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
and I, 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 it, took, it took quite a long time to for me to know what a prophylactic was. Um, <laughs> Did you learn new words? <laughs> we used, yeah, we used to play them uh, the King's Quest games as well, all the adventure games, Monkey Island, and she used to make me play the scary bits. <laughs> Uh, which is usually when some kind of pixelated wolf that was you know made up about of about a dozen pixels would jump out of her hat, and she'd be over the other side of the room, and I'd have to play. It. And she's a doctor now. I like to tell her. I'd like to remind her about these sort of things. I've been keeping track of the of the energy drinks market, and and of course, and we had some we had some canned coffees uh, a while back mm. on the show. Um, Monster, I d- have, you, have you ever tried uh, like Monster energy drinks? No, not seen. They, it. they have uh, they have some very unusual flavours, including things like I think it was Monster Chaos, Monster Ripper. These appear to be their their latest, and uh, they are Monster Espresso. Uh, so this is now a kind of energy drink cold coffee that comes in a can, mm. and according to this, it has a special foaming. Uh, Agent Ooh. or device in it, and it's got a widget. I don't want to get people too excited about that because Kenko like tried that with a Kenko Capio uh, can, uh, probably uh, at least two or three years ago. But uh, this is at least the first time it's appeared in an energy drink format, and with the with the exciting uh, different flavours of, of either Midnight or Hammer. <laughs> now. Uh, <laughs> Is well, it Justin Hammer from well, Iron Man 2? Yeah, well, 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 yeah, I mean, you know, by, by all means, pick a flavour. I don't know if you want to try both. Or like, um, well, it's going to have to be Hammer, isn't it? <laughs> it's a, let's, try, let's try the Hammer flavour. But wow. Oh, is it foaming? <laughs> so apparently... <laughs> apparently it's like, and when we pour it out now... But there's a, quite a steam coming out of it. Hmm, interesting. Fizzy coffee. It's definitely frothy. Are you, getting, like, are, you, are, you getting, are you getting what they call a foam zone on the top of it? Ahead. So the the fizzing Damn. mechanism is that just compressed air? Um, I think it's nitrous oxide. Mm. Brilliant. Which uh, which is always a bit of a chuckle. It's quite nice. That coffee, sweet though. This is. Uh, it says it's an espresso coffee drink with milk. It's it's cold and it's not fizzy. So that's the that's the clever bit about getting the froth on. The it's top. got a head, but it's not a fizzy liquid, is mm. it? Mm. And it also contains taurine, L-carnitine, ginseng, and B vitamins. Healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got all your. Five a day uh, necessities. Uh, it's quite. It's not um, offensively strong coffee flavour. I'm not a big coffee fan, but I can drink mm. this. It's quite sugary. It's almost like um, melted coffee ice cream. Mm. It's a relief sometimes that uh, well, we're, we're not featuring a lot of uh, canned energy drinks. Because I thought if I open three or four of them, then I'd probably have to finish them because there's no way of taking them home. But to their credit, no fear. Um, who I don't know what No Fear do the rest of the time. I assume maybe they're a sports brand or a mm. um, cognitive behavioural therapist. Um, they have their own energy drink, which I got in this pound shop, purely because it said new, new resealable can on the top. That's exciting. Never seen oh, a resealable so can it's, it's kind of it's kind of a little bottle top on the top. Wow. And then and then, you and then obviously you reseal like it like that. A container of spices. Or, or parmesan cheese yes, is the exactly. is the kind of classic uh, model for this. And uh, uh, obviously it's got taurine in it because frankly what doesn't mm. in this market these days masses of caffeine I would imagine but yeah. can we see yeah. how much yeah, there we go uh, um, 30, 30 milligrams per 100, 100, 100 milliliters that's a lot of caffeine well you know particularly if you if you're drinking nearly half a liter of that <laughs> um, I was going it's resealable the suggestion is that you reseal it exactly and then, and then come so, back to it another day so yeah, well, well control well yeah fair. well done though fear for that so let's um, test the resealable can it doesn't leak Oh. It's resealable, but it's not like re-bubbling. Because this is fizzy. Well, if you shook it up, 
presumably it's going to it's going to contain the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Shake it up a bit. It's containing the pressure, admirably. Are you going to open it up now? Right? I'm going to so, try. See if it, see if it... Woo! Gets yeah. you in the face. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a weapon. It's, it's it does the, what it says on mm. the lid of the tin. It, it, yeah. So there we go. So you know, just a, just a, just a glimpse of the future there. Will all cans? I remember when we had the old ring pulls that like um. I found one the other day. Did you? You know the old wrinkles that you pulled well, you off well, while, while, while you were metal detecting. <laughs> it was in my chicken run. I don't know how it got in there, but they discovered it in the soil. It reminded me of the eighties. Wow, it must have been like an episode of Time Team for them. <laughs> chicken Time Team with a little, a little Tony Robinson. Thanks for your energy drinks, Dave. But yes, you can you can find out more about me and my 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 snack odyssey at snackspot.org.uk. Have you spotted this later? He's just can, throwing in his. I know. Uh, can, I thought I'd let that one. I'm trying to. I'm trying to end it. I'm trying to like. Le- like I'm trying to wrap it up on a kind of like uh, Dave Green is also appearing in the West End, kind of way. Yeah. Snackspot.org.uk for all your snack needs. That's yeah. People think of writers, uh, and it's just the writing. And in games, it's really not. Narrative saturates every facet of a game. It, you know, the art, the world, the gameplay, the level design, it, it, it has a kind of, it touches everything. And people tend to think about writers as just being the word bits. Um, and so they, they'll just say, okay, we don't need word bits. We don't need word bits until right then, and then we'll put the word bits in. And not realise there's actually so much that kind of a narrative professional can add to a game if they're, they're involved in the start and they can help build a narrative world and characters that are unique and haven't been seen before and you know create inter- you know visually interesting uh, narratively interesting levels and you know they can you can touch on every single area and I think the best development teams are the ones that integrate writers early I mean it's we come unstuck when we use the term writer I think because it, it, we think just words but in games, it is more like an, you know, as I say, narrative professional that you're you're sort of touching every sort of facet. It's like being a little bit of a director, I guess. Um, I guess you know, narrative director would probably be a better term. And so slowly, teams are realizing, hey, you know, the, these people are, understand story, and you know, they can understand how a game can tell a story. There's so many ways that a game can tell a story without words. And, you know, narrative people are very good at telling stories without words. I was going to ask, what are your kind of cultural influences? Like, where um, do you go when you get when you get free reign to do anything? No, I never get free reign. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah, my whole career is definitely not about free reign. But to be honest, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes writing within boundaries can be, you know, a very incredibly creative experience because you have to, you know, sort of really stretch your mind. Um, I do really like um, myths and legends and certainly writing for Viking was was a lot of fun because I was very into Norse mythology and I had to sort of weave in a lot of um, existing Norse mythology and basically shit I had made up (laughs) that kind of and then fold them in and then I completely forgot which was actual (laughs) mythology and which was shit I'd made up so I I, know I suspected that's the case that I was probably doing something great but um that that again was a lot of fun, and, and also uh, Stronghold Legends um, dealt with mythology as well. Uh, I don't know whether I, I necessarily have go to points, but writers are always constant sponges for everything, um, and you know life is 
everything you need just what you know watching the news reading books especially non-fiction just kind of living life and being a you know a sponge for everything you can possibly absorb and you just never know when something is going to sort of float to the surface your mind is constantly regurgitating things listening to what people say filing little quotes and then it sort of comes to the surface and it's kind of like magic <laughs> which I, and, and you don't really know how it works and you don't really want to how, question how it works because then it might stop working do you carry uh, a notebook around with you? you no, I really should do. Sometimes I do. Um, I, yeah, I have one beside my bed, but it's, it's kind of trying, trying to kind of remember everything. And I think I just sort of trust my brain to just take it all in and then just kick something to the surface when I need it. And so far, that tends to work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, everything's there. You just got to keep your eyes open. Brianna Pratchett, thank you very much for joining us today. Very welcome. Yeah, thanks for coming in. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Goodbye.